0: Hi, folks, and welcome to this week's podcast. You'll notice that I'm not Phil. I'm Natalie. I work with Phil in the Rural Education and Communities Research Group, and we thought we'd do something different this week and uh, turn it back on Phil and ask him some questions about the research group's work. So, welcome, Phil.
1: Thanks, Natalie. Good to have you on board. A um, bit of a bit of a turning of the tables, but uh, it is. To tell a bit about what we do. So. Better you ask me than me ask myself.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So uh, the obvious place to start is tell us about your research group. Why did you start it, and what's the story behind it?
1: Uh, Thanks, Nat. The the research group has sort of been recognised as a strength of the Centre for Sustainable Communities in which we situate. So we've always been part of the Centre for Sustainable Communities at the University here, which has a, a long history, and. We've developed this particular strength on rural communities over the last uh, last decade. So this has enabled us to bring all the schools together and develop a team and, and grow our research.
0: Awesome. Um, so a few weeks back, um, I was with you, went out to Western New South Wales to visit a few communities. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about what was happening there?
1: Uh, sure. So we, we've been um, fortunate enough to develop a number of projects, and we've had a few projects over the over the years. Uh, hence, why we, we have the the group. But these two projects are sort of our signature projects moving forward. One of them is about recentering outback education, and this particular project that we were doing the uh, initial phase for, as um, as you know, but the listeners don't know is a collaborative project with the far western New South Wales uh, Department of Education uh, leadership group and the schools out there. And what we're trying to do is look at what is it that makes outback education unique. One of the, the things we've been doing in the research group is trying to critique the normal construction of rural education. Sort of been positioned as deficit and uh, disadvantaged. And that's usually in comparison to some metropolitan norm. So we've been trying to look at what are the the characteristics from a strengths-based approach and what makes rural schools and rural communities unique. And this particular project will uh, hopefully evolve into a long-term piece of work. Now that we've got the research group, it's a bit of an overarching theoretical exploration with a whole bunch of empirical bits and pieces. And we've got a few people involved, like um, Adrian Pickley from the Gonski Institute, a couple of people from New South Wales Uni, and partners out there in uh, in the far west, I think um, sort of the sort of got five elements, and that's one looking at what is what do communities understand as or what do they seek from education, what do they understand as educational success, and we want to try to get a notion of what is it that they think the outcomes of education are. In earlier pilot work, we've sort of seen as not just um, getting a good HSC or high literacy and numeracy rates; it's often around being good members of the community, contributing to the community and so forth. So we're going to, we wanna work with communities to help uh, define some, some locally-based metrics. Then we're gonna work with principles around policy. So what works in policy and what doesn't for them and how will they redesign policy. That's sort of influenced by the work around rural proofing. Um, Margaret Olston, Sally Shortle, who I was fortunate enough to work with in Newcastle a couple of years ago. So looking at how they would redesign policy in a way that actually worked for the rural because we hear a lot of them saying, well, hang on, this centralised policy from the department doesn't actually work out here in these schools. Then we're going to do some work on teacher success. So rather than ask teachers the usual stuff around uh, why they don't stay or uh, what the problems are, we're going to ask them how working in rural schools has been positive because... You always hear stories from teachers, even those that have left saying, yeah, but it was a great time and it was really insightful. It really impacted on my career. So we wanna work on that strengths-based narrative. What was it that, uh, that that worked for them? And we sort of hope that can become a longitudinal research so we can track teachers over a long period of time and their uh, pathways in and out of, of these areas. So that's one thing. And that will add to the uh, incentives work that you and I have been doing that. And the last aspect, we're going to do some work around youth and youth perspectives on participation in rural communities. Uh, That's the last bit we'll get going, but uh, it's going to get up and running shortly. I think what we were doing out there was um, just starting the community links and connections. One thing we know in our rural research is you can't just rock up and uh, have a chat to people, you've got to develop relationships first. um, Because a lot of people like to pop out and do a little research in the rural because I think it'll be a great little topic. but don't have any connection or background and wonder why they don't get the results they need or rural people get over researched and get a bit over researched particularly indigenous communities so it's important in building partnerships even under the IATSA statement around working with indigenous communities partnership and co-governance is central so we uh, had a few community connections um, as uh, as you know because you were in those meetings with uh, (laughs) indigenous collaborators um, and uh, making sure that we are on the same page and meeting of, meeting their needs and helping address the issues as defined by them, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what we were sort of getting going. Unfortunately, we had to cut that one short with the virus <laughs> uh, and head back, as you know. But uh, yep. but uh, but I think we made some. I think we made some pretty good progress when we we're out there, don't we? do You think? Oh, I think so. Yep. Yeah,
0: I think from that I can see a couple of main aims, which probably speak to the overall. Uh, research group's aims of um, education is seen more broadly in rural communities than just school and um, and we're trying to find out what's what's going on around that and how we can put that back into focus.
1: That's certainly the case and I think that's particularly why we went with the the language of outback education because we're trying to get away from the language of rural regional and remote because they carry a fair bit of baggage to them so we're using outback we're sort of getting away from that normal construction and i think that idea that we've been working with for a while that well a lot of the definitions of education in the rural context have been handed to them rather than actually developed with them and we know through John Gunther's work with aboriginal communities particularly that the desires for education and uh, and what is regarded as education is way broader a lot of the communities we're working with are substantial um, aboriginal communities but not all but even that notion uh, sort of works across those contexts because in our previous work, we sort of found those ideas that well, it's not just the literacy and numeracy in the HSC, it's but it's also about the values. And Murray Darling Basin work on place-based education um, that you were the, the, the you managed the research on that. You know, one of the key things we found there was well, it's about understanding the needs of the community and sustaining this community into the future and its cultures, its values, and its way of life, in addition to traditional educational achievement and outcomes. We saw, saw that as well in the STEM education research project where kids weren't studying subjects that were powerful at university because they didn't see those as being linked to careers in rural areas, where um, while that might seem somewhat ironic given the technological basis of those areas, it's uh, important that we recognize that everyone perceives this differently. So we need to engage with that more broadly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and so engaging with it more broadly, that sort of takes us to some of the other projects in, of the Rural Education and Com- Communities Research Group. So you've recently been awarded a DECRA. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, well that's, um, that's a, a three-year project um, which is looking at rural knowledges and spatial justice. So one of the key things we've been working with is nation, the notion of knowledges in rural communities and what knowledge is existing communities and are brought to school uh, that aren't those that are usually um, governed in the curriculum or engaged in the school curriculum, and how we can use those to enhance learning, but also how we can use those to change the nature of what we learn. So, in addition, it's sort of going back to the old Jewian notion of kids learn best by le- locating learning in their own context and in their own experience, um, and that's a starting point for any sort of uh, learning endeavour, but it goes beyond that, It's to make making learning relevant, but also bringing in new ways of understanding. Because um, a lot of our, our knowledge systems come from the global metropole. Uh, you know, the, the university elite subjects that come from university to university, which are then, uh, then organized across the knowledge system. And we need to then uh, look at well, what happens to people that are beyond that, and how do we engage with those, those knowledges. So that's one aspect, but that comes into notions of special justice, which we've been, been working with is the idea that justice is more than just a redistribution of resources or, uh, or access. It's about um, types of knowledges, um, the distribution of, of justice and its spatial organisation, rather than sort of historical and economical organisation. They, of course, interlink, but there's, uh, there's a lot more to it, uh, epistemic dimensions. But I guess that's something we'll um, focus on uh, in a particular topic of this podcast a little bit later on, perhaps.
0: Sounds good. In addition to those few projects we've just mentioned, you have quite a few other ongoing projects. Can you tell us a bit about those?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, we've got a fair bit going on, which is uh, pretty good for the group. So I guess what I should probably say is that the group's organised around sort of five key themes, uh, reality being one. So we want to just investigate what that actually means rather than uh, assume a definition. Uh, we have the whole notion of how we define Rurality, which we talked about in one of the first podcasts uh, for this series So we want to understand that from a community perspective um, That's something that uh, you particularly picked up on and pushed in, in the earlier work of the group around, uh, We often tell people they're rural rather than ask them what it means and I know you've got some uh, interesting research coming in on that area The um, space, place and spatial justice, so building on what I was just saying there the idea of the spatial dimension being a key organising principle for us, which draws particularly on the sociological notions of, of space and spatiality. The rural regional sustainability focus, which is, again, comes from the Murray-Darling Basin work um, around how we sustain rural places into the future and new ways of being. And our methodological work around rural standpoint methods um, and uh, sort of putting the problem before the, before the method uh, type approach. A lot of uh, our issues in in research is we're too focused on a notion of validity or data but those very definitions are themselves informed by um by places that aren't rural and, and given to the rural. and we need to ensure that we can both have policy impact by being methodologically sound but uh, also be true to the particularities of rural places and their the way they're they're defined mm-hmm. But to to the projects, I guess there's a few things we've been been doing, and there's the sort of work we've been doing with the New South Wales Education Standards Authority, looking at access and achievement, where we've been looking at uh, who studies senior subjects where in New South Wales and, uh, and what results they get I'm looking at that in terms of its spatial distribution and uh, and the equity implications and we've been publishing some work into that space we've um, that's been with our colleague Jenny. we've been looking at. Our rural education research and reframing that, where uh, so you've been involved with your research particularly, looking at how the rural is defined in Australian education research and what the broader um, influences from the other fields of rural studies and rural geography are. And I know we've got some uh, pretty fun work coming out on that shortly. Um, the rural knowledges, which is where the projects I was just talking about are sort of emanating from. So. Uh, that's been both in terms of working with communities and uh, a lot of theoretical work that I've been been doing with some other colleagues there around uh, the epistemic dimension of knowledge and how we understand it in a sort of vertical and horizontal sense, referencing the Bernstein work, and then a couple of other projects that um, that again uh, you're involved with there, the, um, the the rural professions work, which I think we'll talk about in a subsequent podcast, looking at the uh, the, the, the similarities. In attracting and retaining staff and professional practice across the professions um, that uh, you've been doing some work with UTAS and I've been doing some work with some other colleagues in the health space there and the other one on the rural students at university where um, Amanda and yourself have been looking at um, and you've been leading the interviews and so forth in this around the experiences of rural students when they come to university because a lot of the work's been around um, getting them there and helping them achieve but We know through some very early work that you did that the the socio-cultural experiences when they're there um, aren't aren't examined, but that's often where people feel that they don't belong. So we want to understand what is that and where does a lack of sense of belonging come from and how does that link to the socio-cultural experience of impact. I think I have mentioned a couple of previous projects that we've done there um, around the Mario Darling and STEM careers and so forth and uh, other curriculum work, but we've had a few things going on. And i uh, looking forward to, to moving this work forward in a number of ways. That sounds good.
0: Um, so I want to take a step back. Um, before your, we started all these projects and the research group existed, so you were a teacher in rural communities. So I asked that question um, as an intro to, has that influenced your work and um, what you saw as a teacher? and working in rural communities? Um, yeah, good
1: good question. Um, I, I think it's had a big impact. Um, this was never the plan. I never planned to be here on this side of a podcast series or, or a research <laughs> group. Um, but a lot of what I experienced didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so I sort of got involved in advocating for that and trying to understand it. And it just led us to being in this conversation now It just seemed a lot of what was going on just didn't really work i remember a lot of kids started saying to me what's this got to do with me and my future so they were sensing they weren't part of whatever it was that they were doing even though they were doing it and even the teachers that um, a lot of awesome teachers that i worked with but um, also too many for whom it was just a temporary stop to get to where they wanted to go as well so it just uh if we started to scratch the surface of that we started to find more and more um issues that just didn't add up and didn't align with the interests and desires of the communities with which we were working but also uh, just couldn't make those meaningful to the kids either i have got to be careful this isn't an either or situation you know it's not a i guess this comes to the to the place based stuff and um i really still don't like the fact that we did a project called place based education but you can't even do what the funder wants i guess sometimes but um all the place based stuff is very narrow and very localized at the extent at the expense of elsewhere I think it's really got to be place conscious. And we can't we want to value our rural places and knowledges and communities, but we don't want to value them so much that people are unable to imagine other futures. You know, education is about you know, skilling and advancement and change as well. It's inherently a, a change orientated endeavor. But that change has to take people along with it. It has to be taken to a destination that they want to go to um, when they understand what the destination is and it has to be one that's going to be meaningful and have a positive impact. It can't be one that they have no role in that is defined by somebody else and measured by somebody else, because then that's suddenly leads to disenfranchisement. I think that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to sort of uh, try to work against. That sort of comes back to my early days working in, uh, in schools where it was a bit like, well, where's this gonna get you? Or, or even where is the rural community in what we're studying? Where is your place? It's not really there. It's like, I'm sure there's a history there, but it's not there so
0: yep um, so just adding to that uh have you seen progress being made since um, your days as a teacher or are we still going over the same ground
1: um well, well you know we, we did some research back in 2004 around staffing on a national level um and that led to a bit of a staffing report on uh, around australia and uh, as we do and I revisited that we were uh, as part of supporting a uh, one of the states doing a revision of their, their rural staffing policies and we wrote that um, well we seem to be going in circles in our research community here because the things that I, we wrote about as being the trends and issues in 2004 were the trends and issues that we wrote about in 2018 so in terms of staffing we seem to be going around in circles in terms of other issues I don't know that it's gotten any better I think yeah, the work we've done In the curriculum work that I do we find less and less reference to issues in the curriculum or less and less ways to make them meaningful it's still very much a knowledge of elsewhere so uh, standardization doesn't help that and teachers have to master content to get ahead Um, so I don't know that we're making a lot of progress but then equally I'm finding more and more people uh, in the sector who are getting more and more frustrated uh, these are often the practitioners, like the people we were, we were working with a couple of weeks ago out in the country, and a few of the, uh, the teachers and leaders and uh, community members. So I think there's a, a growing sense of dissatisfaction. I think we see that in the voting and social patterns of the last five or six years, but I think there's just not a, not a way of thinking about the issues that's um, widely disseminated to put a language to it to change. I think that's where the special justice work and, and the epistemic work is so important. That uh, my view, and maybe this is a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit, is that there's a, a desire in many sectors to sort of do something different, but not a language of what the problem is or how we could do it differently. So I'm not saying that's a majority by any chance, but um, uh, there's a lot of teachers for whom socialisation of the profession or a lot of people in the economy on these regions for whom the socialisation is achievement as defined historically but i think there's a growing dissatisfaction with those things and i think that's where we can really mm-hmm. make a positive impact
0: so you're suggesting that people obviously want to see change happen um, it's just finding a way to make that a possibility so the language and getting the word out there putting it on the record um, I just want to ask you. A few years ago, you went to the UK and Norway, um, and part of that was, um, well, I'll ask you. So, what was the purpose of that? So, just thinking back to the the, the project that I'm doing my uh, uh, master's studies on, for example.
1: So, a lot of that was opening up that notion of what are the connections with rural sociology, because we sort of identified a bit of a, a bit of a lack of. Uh, engagement with the poor sociological theory in a lot of the rural education research. And that was linking up with some of the key groups and spending time with the key people in rural studies and rural sociology. Um, Centre for Rural Economy in the UK is a world leader, spent some time there with leading people in rural studies. And we sort of what we knew through some earlier work, but sort of were able to confirm is that you know, in that sector, education really isn't engaged with greatly. Um, and uh, it's sort of an economic lever to be pulled, and we know as educators that there's a lot more going on than just an economic lever to, to pull. Um, so that's enabled us to both work with them to understand what the theories they're, they're drawing from and what the types of research that go on and the methods that they use. But that also leads to lead to ways we can advance the rural education field, to bring in new theories, but also work in notions of you know, knowledge, exchange which is a, a key tenet of rural studies internationally. It's not just about it's mastering this knowledge and then moving on to somewhere else. It's about bringing existing knowledge in rural communities and knowledge of the academy together to solve problems. We don't do that in education, but that's the basic tenet of rural studies, so we can use that sort of work. And that was enabling uh, me and then the group through that to, uh, to get an idea of what's going on in those spaces. And then the same in, in Norway, working with um, groups working on spatial justice and, uh, and similar rural issues in, in the uh, Northern Europe scenario. And we have equal connections with, uh, with Canada, because um, Mike, who we interviewed here, was in Tasmania, as you, you know, because we worked with him on a few things, bringing that connection. And a few years ago, working at Penn State and uh, University of Pennsylvania Population Studies Centre, which also led to the work in China um, that we do. But um, there's a few international connections there that we've been been building to sort of see what we can do to enhance the field of research that so tends to be getting a little bit narrow in my view.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sensing a, an underlying theme of, of just trying to to look broader to understand rural communities and bringing their knowledges, um, which brings me back to. Uh, your research group actually sits within the Centre for Sustainable Communities. So um, sustainability was a thing that you mentioned throughout your podcast.
1: That's true. And that's, that's um, again, one of the projects that we started off with was um, place-based education uh, for rural regional sustainability in the Murray-Darling Basin, uh, which is where you're looking at sustainability education. And that, uh, that notion that sustainability is... It has an environmental aspect for sure, but it has a whole range of community and social aspects and it's about sustaining rural places. So that's been a focus for a long time. And I guess we deliberately, when I moved to the university sector, didn't want to sit in a um, a traditional sort of subject or discipline based group. Because a lot of the rural work that we do is um, actually marginalized in those groups because of the sort of metro norming that, that goes on. So the Centre for Sustainable Communities was a bit of a natural home because it's about community education and community knowledges and uh, developing up community capacities. And I guess that's where I've always seen the need in the rural sector is. You know, we've been trying to, in inverted commerce solve the rural problem as long as there's been rural schools. So it just seems a bit uh, silly to keep trying to solve the problem without actually uh, trying to understand why we haven't been able to solve it for the last hundred odd years. And that's uh, where we're trying to to take a bit of a different direction.
0: Sounds good. So uh, is there anything else you want to add?
1: Uh, No, I think I've talked about myself in the research group for uh, probably long enough at this point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Phil. Thanks for your time. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. I'm sure we will.